to get a start in the NFL. Patriots, New England Patriots, Chris in their preseason last night, hosting the Giants. We thought maybe we get a sneak peek into New England's plan for who will call offensive plays this season. Instead, we did not get that thing. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge sharing the play calling duties. Let's just say there's still a little more work to be done. And to the surprise of literally nobody, Bill Belichick not really in the mood to talk about it afterwards. Take a listen. What were some of the benefits of having Joe and Matt call plays tonight? I thought it would be a good, a good opportunity for us to do that. Do you know if one will call plays when the regular season arrives? Yeah, well, don't worry about that. We'll, we'll work it out. So have you decided? We, we're going through a process. Just like everything else on this team. We only get to watch. Coach, you worked with him for years. I cannot wait to get your take, but Nick, I'll start with you, and I'll keep it simple. Is this a big deal? Oh, yeah, of course it's a big deal. Listen, anytime you can have the <laughs> offensive coordinator equivalent of the Mason Rudolph-Mitch Trubisky quarterback competition, it's probably a big deal. So, like, Wilds. I know you're you're trying to laugh through it, and I understand. And yeah. I do want to hear what Coach yeah. has to say as well, but I really what I want to do is needle you here. Uh, there are three possible options as to why this is happening, all right? The first one is Bill Belichick, who's been in football. I saw a graphic yesterday. He has been in football more years in the NFL than Brian Dable's been alive. 48 years coaching football, Brian Dable, 47. That Bill Belichick, with all his wisdom, has not yet figured this out. That's door number one. Door number two is they are both just such brilliant, cutting-edge offensive tacticians that Belichick's like, man, I can't deprive either of these guys the opportunity to design this offense, so we're going to go, we're going to rotate a series. Door number three is, they've both been so bad, no one's won the job. I know which way I'm leaning. Are you leaning the Belichick hasn't figured it out? They're both so brilliant, you just can't deprive someone? Or door number three, that no one has exactly bathed themselves in glory this offseason, and therefore no one has won the job? Okay, I will obviously go... Door number four, Belichick is up to something that is going to work that we haven't seen before, and I am taking his recommendation, not going to worry about it. Coach, I know you've been much closer to Bill Belichick than I have, but I have the ultimate faith in the guy who has turned our franchise, which was a little boy I saw get stomped by the Chicago Bears, into the best franchise in all of sports. So in that journey, I've gained a lot of trust for Bill Belichick and you and your contributions. Once a Patriot, always a Patriot. Don't forget. So if the captain, Sully Sullenberger, of the NFL decides, you know what? The way I look at it, 
Our best option is to land this baby in the Hudson River. I am not going to storm the cockpit and say, no, 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 Let, let's, let's try to get to Teterboro. I'm okay with it. If that's what you think is the best, I'm going to sit back, buckle my seatbelt, enjoy the ride, land safely in the playoffs. I feel totally fine with it, Coach. Yeah, first of all, and I, I don't know this, that when, when there's a press conference, do you have to ask questions? Like, do you get certain points for asking questions when you know there's absolutely <laughs> not going to be an answer? I, I never knew yes. how that worked, but it's it's a lot funnier to watch now than than it was, you know, then. But there's there's no door here to, to go through this. He is he gave the legitimate correct answer. This is a process. And Nick, you, you can't evaluate play callers until they've called plays and the only opportunity that they're having to call plays is in the preseason game. This is this is a standard part of, of, of what happens. And in terms of them both calling it, it may not be set how it's going to break down. And when I was in San Francisco, we had, we had uh, one person who called sort of the core group of plays, but then different coaches were actually responsible for calling plays on third down or calling plays in the red zone or two minute. Now, Greg Roman had the ultimate ability to, to trump that, but, but that's not an uncommon or as uncommon as you may think it is to have more than one person chime in on, on plays. So this is a process and the preseason is part of that. And giving these guys a chance to call plays, that that's not that's what you would do. That's what you should do. And and it's not about any going through any door or making any decision right now. You've got a couple more opportunities to, to see how it works out. Yeah, but you are going through all of this because you are in such an adverse situation. I, I you know, Wilds, I don't say this often, but that was a spot on analogy. You are correct. I love comparing the Patriots to a plane that might crash and needs an all-time great to make sure it averts total disaster, and instead, it's just in the river. Like, that, when they took off Captain Sully's flight, the plan was not, let's land in the Hudson. They had an engine blowout, and that's Josh McDaniels leaving, I suppose, and they had no other option. And so, yes, you're right, he made the best of a terrible situation, but listen... I'm solutions-oriented. I have the solution for the Patriots. And this I want to throw to Coach. And I'm curious what Wilds thinks about it. Coach, why doesn't Bill do it? We know they have a defensive coordinator there in Matt Patricia. If Bill is typically going to call defensive plays, we know Patricia can do that. You also have told us for years, and I am sure you're correct, and even absent of your commentary, I have massive respect for how much Belichick knows about football. I'm going to go ahead and say, even though he's never been the offensive play caller, it's something he could do and probably do better than Joe Judge or Matt Patricia. Do you think it's on the board, and do you think it would be a good idea for at the end of this whole process to, for Belichick to be like, you know what? In my final, you know, act of my career, I'm going to call the offensive plays because I'm the best option for it. Well, one of the things I learned from Bill Belichick and I learned from Bill Parcells is that if you're going to be a head coach, you need to be the head coach of the whole team. You, you need to be able to, to, to see things globally. And I think that Bill, I don't think, I know that Bill has a huge impact on what's going on offensively. And here's what I'll say in defense of, of this approach. 
is is that whenever anybody tries anything new and anything out of the box, there's going to be a tremendous amount of criticism. But having a ha- having that insight is 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 extremely valuable. You can put together a game plan that is going to attack the significant weaknesses of the defensive opponent that you have. I think that that's going to be a real strength is in terms of, of, of what they can bring to the table is creating and generating that game plan that you know is going to cause problems for, for, for the other side. To me, my apprehension is the feel within the game, the, the, the actual the, the art of play calling that a lot of offensive coordinators have to develop over time and the ability to make those in-game adjustments. That's where I where the biggest learning curve is going to come. I, I like the idea of trying new things. I like the idea of challenging what what the norm is and, and, and the way things have to be done. Look, there's new offensive coordinators every single year that have never called a play that, that, that get a chance. So so let's see where, where that part goes. And when you look at what happened last night, they scored 21 points. They didn't have that many pre-snap issues. They only gave up one sack. There was one interception. I mean, it's it's it was a standard uh, preseason game, and it wasn't this disaster that they put on tape. Feeling good. Feeling good. You should. So, Coach, my question is better. Belichick's process. I feel great. Belichick's process. Right now, it feels like Matt Patricia is the de facto offensive coordinator, even though he's not named the offensive coordinator. And Joe Judge has been working with quarterbacks. That's how it's been reported. In this process, is there a chance that that flips? That this is like a quarterback competition? Like, oh, okay, now Joe Judge is the offensive coordinator and Matt Patricia is 1B. Well, at the end of the day, Bill's going to be the offensive coordinator. Those other guys are going to put together the game plan, but ultimately he's going to he's going to say what goes and 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 what doesn't go. And in in the 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 play calling itself, which which is the most important aspect of it, I could easily see there be one guy responsible for you know these areas and another guy responsible for the other areas, and there'd be some kind of of, of breakdown like that where they both actually get a chance to 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 call plays during the game. Yeah, look, the bottom so line also, it doesn't just, seem like it's going to be one a 50-50 other note, tag team. Go just ahead, real Rob. quick, to Jenna, there is another benefit that we haven't talked about. If anything ever goes wrong and you see like the flare-ups on the sideline with the quarterback <laughs> yelling at the offensive coordinator, you could just be like, well, it wasn't me, it was the other guy. And then the other guy's like, well, it wasn't me, it was him. And then next thing you know... <laughs> All the tension diffused. I'm glad we got. I'm glad you got that out there. Well done. No, it's good because I was like, well, who's going to take the blame? Good job, Jenna. That was good. Good job, Jenna. That was, that was yeah. You know, I want all to me. Wilds has a joke. Two minutes fine schedule. Hold on, Wilds has a bad hey, joke. Hey, we got to talk about a former Patriots quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. I Are the Rams that. about to pick up the phone and trade for Jimmy G? I loved it. You know me. I love corny jokes. Everyone break the bad. format. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So, to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. 
With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash FTF. NetSuite.com slash FTF. NetSuite.com slash FTF. Are you ready to take control of your health and conquer your weight loss goals? Look no further than Factor, your ultimate solution to better eating. Each Factor meal is always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. No more waiting around or spending hours in the kitchen. Just heat and eat. It's that simple. Over 35 different options to choose from each week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor ensures you'll never get bored. With more than 60 add-ons to help you stay full and feeling good all day long. Pancakes, smoothies, and more. With Factor, there's no prepping, no cooking, and certainly no cleanup needed. The best part? You can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Sign up and save because we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Eat better, feel better, and conquer your day with Factor. So what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash firstthingsfirst50 and use code firstthingsfirst50 to get 50% off. That's code firstthingsfirst50 at factormeals.com slash firstthingsfirst50 to get 50% off, fuel up, eat better, and achieve greatness. Get started today. Hey, tomorrow it's Baseball Night in America on Fox. Aaron Judge and the Yankees heading to Fenway to take on the rival Red Sox. Or the Mariners continue their hunt for the wild card against the Rangers. It all begins tomorrow at 7 Eastern, only on Fox. Back talking some more football now. Some good news for Jimmy G. He might just have a taker after all. Mary Kay Cabot reporting that the Cleveland Browns will consider acquiring Garoppolo if Deshaun Watson's suspension is increased significantly, which we now know seems very possible. The NFL is pushing for at least the full season. Nick, is Cleveland the perfect landing spot for Jimmy G.? Of course. I mean, I think I mentioned this earlier this week, that if Deshaun is suspended for the year, Cleveland has the cap space. They have no incentive to be bad this coming season because they don't have their draft pick next year. So there's no even silver lining to, ah, we'll have a bad year. So, yeah, you got to bite the bullet and do it, even though from a team management standpoint, Coach, this is turning into an outright disaster. So starting next season, Deshaun Watson is $54 million against the cap each of the next four years. That is either the most or the second most expensive player in the NFL every single year for 23, 24, 25, 26. This year, they already have $25 million of their cap in Watson, Baker's dead money, and Jacoby Brissett. 
they would now be adding more money and bringing on Jimmy G, which is, again, not ideal, but the situation they have put themselves in. What is so baffling to me from a team management standpoint is this, Coach, that they let themselves get in this position. It's a, And by that I mean, it'd be one thing if they traded for Deshaun Watson and after the trade, all of these horrible allegations came out. But that's not what happened. They, they knew going into it that at a minimum, he was going to be suspended for a bulk of the season and potentially the entirety of the season. They went ahead with it, and now they seem to be scrambling. So if people want to argue, well, you know what, it's worth it because starting in 2023, you have Deshaun Watson, that's fine. But that doesn't uh, give license to how they have not prepared for 2022. So yes, I think this would work for Jimmy G, but I don't think it's a justification for how poorly the Browns have handled this. Yeah, the, the quarterback number this year is like one of those budget airlines when you keep adding up the, the different, you know, uh, carry-on fees yeah. and everything. The number is getting huge. You forgot Case Keenum, and then if you add Jimmy's number, I think the total would be somewhere around $41 million. So Case is like $2, two million of dead oh, money, the, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so money, there's a yep, bunch, of, there's right. a bunch of, of things going on there that, that suddenly you look at it and it's like, all right, we're spending a significant amount of our cap for uh, for a guy that that should be a, a front liner at forty one million dollars, but that's not really what what we're getting. Plus, we've got the two hundred thirty million dollars invested into Sean that we're not going to see a return on. I don't think they went into this the season thinking that it was going to be a, a, a season long suspension. I, I, I imagine they they felt it would be six games, eight games, something like that. Jacoby would be a really good answer for, for that situation. Now, in, in, in terms of going to get Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, if you have to trade for him at this point, now you're you're getting that $24 million salary. You're giving up another draft pick, and he hasn't practiced at all. He's still he's still dealing with coming off the injury. There is gonna still be a learning curve because the system isn't apples to apples, and he's gonna be that much further behind. So so it it is a good answer. I like it as an answer, especially if he's if it's a situation where Deshaun is all gone all season. But even in the early part of the season, if they get him now, he's not going to be very effective. And who knows really where he is from an injury perspective at this point. Yeah, so I don't like it for Jimmy G. I don't like it for the Browns. If I'm the Browns, I think Jacoby Brissett is my guy. I think he deserves a shot. And if Deshaun is suspended for... Six games, 10 games, 12 games the whole year. I'm still rolling with Jacoby Brissett. I would like to see him play. Secondly, for Jimmy G, everything that you said, coach, he would be behind Jacoby automatically. So when does he go in? If Jacoby gets hurt, if, if he struggles. So now Jimmy G is actually the third string quarterback. I think that is a lose-lose situation for him. The best move for me, Nick, if I'm Jimmy G, is swallow a little bit of humble pie, have a slice, small slice, and be like, you know what? I'm going to go behind a great quarterback. And then next year, try to parlay playing very little into a starting job, just like Jameis did, just like Marcus Mariota did, just like Trubisky's trying to do. I assume he's going to start, but it's a little bit shaky in Seattle. Uh, excuse me, in Pittsburgh. So I would, if I'm him, I'm looking around saying, huh, 
Where can I go if I have the opportunity? The I'd rather sit behind a star. Yeah, the, the Rams, Rams would be a win. And I there. think the 49ers need to get them off the that team. So the, that, like, that I get perfect. that. You know, you listen, you and, and I, games. you and I have different philosophies on if you want to go be a backup versus stay a starter. So I, the, I understand what you're saying. I happen to disagree with it. If I want to be a starter, I want to find a place to start. And I think Jameis is the only one who has maybe actually successfully followed that path. I don't think Trubisky is going to be a starter. And Marcus Mariota is in a hold. You know, the Falcons are in a holding pattern right now. Dealing with all the dead money on their I get it. But I don't think he's now back to being a starter in this league. But can I just go back to Cleveland for a moment? Because it didn't have to be this. I, I Like I said, we look at it differently. He's a starter the way Mac Jones was a pro bowler. Like, technically it's true, but when you drill down on it, you're like, oh, okay, not really true. Can I? But let me get back to Cleveland for a moment. Because this, I believe this could have worked. You go fly to Texas or Oklahoma or wherever Baker is months ago. Coach, you're Andrew Barry or Kevin Stefanski. You sit down with them. Say, Baker, here's the deal. We are going to try to get Deshaun Watson. We know that's going to upset you. However, we also know that Deshaun, at a minimum, is going to be suspended for around half the season, maybe the entirety of the season. You, through grit and you know maybe an irrational commitment to playing games, hurt your own value last year because you didn't put a lot of good stuff on tape playing through injury. So... Let's help each other here. You stay on the team. You are going to be our starter for at least the first six to eight games of the season, maybe the entirety of the season. You play well. If Deshaun's only suspended in six weeks, we then have a month before the deadline to move you. If he's suspended the whole year, you will be a true free agent. We'd never franchise tag you because we're going to be paying Deshaun Watson. Let's even if we don't like each other, let's be rational actors here and work in both of our best interests. We're the best team you could be playing for. You know the system. Can we work together on that? That was available to them and they never tried to walk down that path. That's what should have happened. And I don't know why they never attempted that. Because he probably would have taken him by the the their the cuff of their shirt and throwing them out of the house. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna walk you're gonna walk into the guy's house and say, Hey, you played last year hurt. We 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 owe you a guaranteed nineteen million dollars. We want you to do us a favor as we take your job and 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 help us get through this phase and then we'll decide who we trade you to. Now maybe if you walk and say We'll give you a raise over the $19 million. We'll give you $25 million. We'll give you $30 million to get you through this. Okay. At that point, okay, you, but you can have the, the conversation. Can I just say but something real quick? You're going to pay me. $19 million was a raise. Is Baker getting $19 million this year? No. Is he playing for a team as good as the Browns this year? No. So, like, again, you've got to sometimes convince people to remove emotions and act rationally. Baker Mayfield would have been better off doing that. And I don't think he's a dumb guy. I think you, I, I, at least they should have efforted that. Well, look, we're, we're going to see whether or not he's going to be better off doing that. He's got an opportunity now 
to go be a starter and and to legitimately make his case going into free agency where if he where if he's in Cleveland it's all going to be well it's the running game it's the defense they're 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 making their way through with Baker it'll it'll it will never be a narrative that he's winning the game's form. It'll all be always be a narrative right. that he's managing the process till Deshaun gets there, and that's not going to help your value in the in the open market. Okay. All right, we got to take a break. Unless Wild says something funny to say before we go, Wilds, hold on, we're going to do it next <laughs> break. More preseason last night. Malik Willis made his NFL debut. We will check in with him how he did back after this. Dennis. Uh, we are going to run the no huddle. NFL preseason action last night. Ravens hosting the Titans in Baltimore. Tennessee rookie quarterback Malik Willis getting the start. Getting the chatter this morning, too. 107 yards passing, 38 on the ground in addition. So, Nick, what was your biggest takeaway from Willis's debut? All right, I had two. The first one is, Coach, can you imagine waking up this morning a Seahawks or a Giants fan, knowing you passed on yep. this guy four times, three times each team after the first round you passed on him, you're like, oh boy. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, based on last night, we know Malik Willis is going to be a star. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is a guy who was considered he might go six overall to Carolina these quarterback needy teams not spending, letting him fall all the way to the tail end of the third round was bananas. My other takeaway is the one that I think is going to probably irk you. Ryan Tannehill needs to have the shortest leash in the NFL this year. Because here's, Ooh. okay, you're shaking your head. Coach, coach, can I remind you how the Titans seasons keep ending? With back-breaking Ryan Tannehill interceptions in playoff games, they have no business losing. Two years ago, what happens? They're down seven in a game they were up 10-0 against Baltimore, a Ravens team that hadn't won a playoff game since they won the Super Bowl with Flacco. They blow the lead, and Tannehill throws a pick to lose the game. Last year, you're the one seed. You're coming off a bye. You're playing a Bengals team that's just happy to be there. How does the game start with a Ryan Tannehill pick? How does the second half get going with that pick? How does the game end with a Ryan Tannehill pick? I believe the emotional baggage for the team is going to be damaging. That Well, we were the one seed last year, and it didn't matter. And they're not going to be the one seed this year with no A.J. Brown and with the other issues they have. So when you have the potential upside of a Malik Willis, I would have packages involving him as soon as you can. And if the season starts to go even a little awry or Tannehill starts to be a little shaky, I would I would get Malik Willis on the field as early as possible. The one thing that I love is that we're not overreacting to preseason. I mean, that, that, and and I know, I know you say like I, I'm not I'm not saying that he's going to be great, but the Giants passed on him, and the Seahawks yeah. passed on him, and yeah. how can they live with themselves? And now we're going to fast yeah. forward to well, you have a starting quarterback that's been really successful, done a lot of great things, but he should be not, he should be on a short leash because this kid went in yeah. and ran around a little bit in a preseason game. Yeah, there, there's no there's no jumping to major, major, major conclusions there. Look, your guy got pulled from the game by Vrabel because he wasn't he wasn't 
reading the coverages and, and, and throwing the ball. Right. Like they they drafted a quarterback. They didn't draft a running back. We know that you can run. We we get it. Everybody gets he it. He threw a laser. So you're, you're in there and, and yeah, he did. He threw he threw a laser. Show the fifty laser. yard on a rope laser. I, I know. Show I, that. Well, I'm, Unfortunately, there's a whole game that has to be played, you know, as opposed to just one pass. But if you can project him going to the Hall of Fame based off his one pass against, no. the, you know, against a team during the pre the first preseason game, then then you know, I mean, great, great. No. Go ahead, Wild. Yes, that's I mean, what he you're looks doing. Pretty good, Coach. He looks pretty good. Really? Okay, really? Coach. I want to dig into. He looks so good that Vrabel, Vrabel pulled him because well, he was reading. So that's what I want. I, Vrabel's a little Vrabel seemed a little bit. He was. <laughs> so listen to this Vrabel sound, Coach, and I'll ask you a question after we take a listen. No, that's because I, I, wanted, I, I wanted Malik to throw the ball, and he, and he wasn't, so I put Logan in. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so I get it. <laughs> I, I was happy. I was like, whoa, he's playing awesome. I thought Vrabel was going to be like, you know what? That's why he's out there making plays, making stuff happen for us. And he was upset. So what was your read on the whole Vrabel pulling him from the game? Because the, the whole world knows that he can make plays with his feet. Okay, that that's we, we, we've seen that part of it. What you want him to do is go in and make plays as a court as a quarterback and, and go through your read progressions, and if guys are open, throw the ball. That's that's what you want to see. You want to see that part of his game. You, you can always fall back on, on this this aspect of it, of running with the football, but you want to see the quarterback component and that progress. And then all the other guys got to play too. Throw the ball to the receivers. You're trying to evaluate everybody, and, and it's just not, it's just not how it's, you know, you get better. Okay, all right, that's all fair. And the kid w- played at Liberty, and it's his first live bullets, and there are going to be some ups and downs. I am not putting him in the Hall of Fame. I want to be very clear about this. I'm not even declaring he's definitely going to be a quality starter. I said the thing about the Seahawks and Giants because we know they don't have the present or future of their team at that position on the roster. And once a guy who was once projected to be a top 10 pick starts, and everyone thought was going in the first round, starts falling as far as he did, I think he is worth a flyer like the Titans took on him. Now on the Titans and coach, I do you not agree with me that there is some real emotional baggage attached when you have a team that is as well built and played as well as Tennessee did each of the last two years. And in the biggest spot of the season, your highest paid face of your franchise guy lets you down. Don't you think that can be destructive to a team that's trying to build something and can have a carryover from one year to the next, especially if you're occasionally seeing wow plays from the kid you drafted in practice? Like is uh, uh, you? Uh, I you've got to at least give me that. Uh, okay, he's been there for for like five minutes. Okay, so so we're probably not going to yes. change the whole structure of the offense based off of his five minutes as, as a Tennessee Titan. And and you could look at the at the Titans and say, okay, did they underachieve or have they overachieved? And in my mind, over the past couple of seasons, they've really overachieved. So you can you can either assign credit 
to, to Tannehill for, for them overachieving, or you could look at it as, no, these guys are dramatically underachieving because he didn't play in the biggest moment. Nick feels satisfied with that answer. Uh, the other side <laughs> of this game, the Ravens <laughs> walked away with the win. Usually we don't put much weight into preseason results. But the Ravens have now won an NFL record 21 straight preseason games. I think it dates back to like 2015 or something. Wild, is this something or nothing? It's got to be something, and I love it. From now on, I think the Ravens should not try to lose a preseason game for the rest of their franchise history, Coach. They've got to be trying to win this game, at, or they've built the roster so deep and so wise that they can't help themselves from winning. They haven't lost a preseason game since 2015. 21 straight. The second longest is the Bills with eight. And then it shows up on the field, not only that they're always just like in the hunt, but they've got a record of 14 and six in September. So they win in the preseason and start the season hot. I'm surprised. No, you know what? I'm gonna take it a step further. I'm advocating for other teams to say, you know what? If we've got pads on and there's refs out here and we've got paying customers, we're gonna try to win the game. And I assume that Ravens are trying to do that. Like, I would be shocked if they lost either one of their next two games. Are you in on my advocating for teams to straight up try to win these games? No, I, I'm in. I'm in on, on all the points you made, and I think you nailed it. The, the philosophy everywhere I've been is if they're going to keep score, you're going to try to win. And and and, yeah, and whether it's a preseason game or, or not a preseason game, and it does make a difference in, in how you feel coming out of that game, whether you win or lose. It's not the end of the world if you lose, but it, it does make a difference in, in terms of of the environment. And I'd say the the last thing is you're absolutely right. It is a testament to the Ravens' depth. I think they do a really good job of, of scouting and free agency. And typically, those games come down to who has the better depth on the back end of the roster. And I think the Ravens have, have done a really good job of that over time. I think you all make great points, so I'm just going to add two quick ones. 21-0 and 0 straight up is impressive. 18-2-1 against the spread? Oh, my goodness. Wild. Is the greatest bet in sports? That's plus 15.8 units, America. You retire on that. That's first point. The second point is the reason the Titans are considered overachievers is because they're so limited at quarterback, and everybody knows that, okay. Coach. Give me yeah. a break. See, Sorry, yeah, yeah, go yeah. ahead. We can move on now. Sorry. Overachievers because Tannehill's the quarterback. Give me a break. Coach, thank you so much for hanging out this morning. We love thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, but we also have to talk hoops. Is LeBron still the best player in the world? One of his very esteemed colleagues thinks so. We'll tell you who right after this. Back here, first things first, we're running the fast break. The Kevin Durant sweepstakes continue. Report out yesterday out of Boston that the Celtics plan to hang on to the Time Lord, Robert Williams. <laughs> the Celtics say that Robert Williams is just off-limit in trade talks with Brooklyn. Nick, I know Williams is really, he really kind of stepped it up in the postseason, but are you surprised that he's off-limits? Well, no, I'm surprised that the Celtics keep making the same mistake. Wilds, listen, Brad Stevens or whomever is talking, here's the rule. Either 
you hold a press conference and you say, as we've seen GMs say, listen, my job is at every point to evaluate every single opportunity to make our team better, and that's that. Or you say everyone is off limits. What you can't do is continuing siphoning your team amongst untouchables and touchables. Because now, this Jason Tatum, he's like, hey, Robert Williams, you're the other guy on the team they really like. And Marcus Smart's like, oh, hi, Jalen. You and me over here in the touchable category. What are you doing? Like, why? Why? If you're telling the world you won't include Robert Williams, you know what you're also telling the world? Uh, Marcus Smart can be had, though. I'm sure this makes Robert Williams feel great. Probably makes Marcus Smart not feel so great. I don't know why they keep stepping on this same rate as opposed to, like, they've got to tighten up the leak shop over on Causeway Street or whatever they call it in the north end. (laughs) I don't know anything about Boston. I've never been there. uh, It's okay. So I get it. Robert Williams, 10-10 guy, okay? High PER. You look, I pulled up all the PERs. So let's see. According to this, and PER fluctuates on what you're qualified for, but right here, PER 22, he's ninth. Here's who is ahead of him. Giannis, Embiid, Durant, Trey Young, Jimmy Butler, Montrez, DeMar DeRozan, Jared Allen, and then Robert Williams. One of those names is Kevin Durant, though. So I know it's super high PER, but Kevin Durant is number three. Robert Williams is number nine. So guys, if you want Durant, you're going to have to give Brooklyn some quality players. We're not going to – Durant's not just going to wander over. Although – you talk about good strategies if you want to go somewhere. You can pull the old Donovan Mitchell, just start going to a bunch of Red Sox games, maybe go to a few Bruins games, move right outside of Boston, and just patiently wait for the move. It's on the board, Durant. Willie, you're Just saying in. it's an idea. Listen, it's working for Donovan Mitchell. Now that, now that Jenna's no longer a Celtics fan because Danny Ainge runs the Jazz, there's only two Celtics fans in my life. My son and you, Kevin Wilds. My son is of the belief that if you if it's Jalen Brown plus one of the two guys, Robert Williams or Marcus Smart, he would rather trade Marcus Smart. I'm just asking you quickly. No. If you've got to trade one of the two, Marcus Smart or Robert Williams, who are you trading? I would trade Robert Williams because Marcus Smart gives the identity to that team. Kevin Durant, while I love him, I think he's a phenomenal player. I don't think he necessarily brings a a toughness with him. And I think it's hard to just show up and all of a sudden, hey, this team is my identity. Keith Marcus. Got it. And his beautiful robes. All right, we got to turn our attention to the Draymond Green show because one moment in particular caught us off guard happened when um, Dre was asked which guy is the better pure scorer, Carmelo Prime Carmelo or Prime KD? Take a listen to his response. Wow, I've won with both of those guys. So I was gonna say I gotta pick KD because we, but like I won gold medal with Melo. Golly, that's crazy. I'm gonna go with Melo. Oh. 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 I mean, Nick, what'd you make of that from Dre? I mean, like, this is, you know what this has, this has real, you know that terrible uh, Twitter account, Wilds, ball don't stop? This has real, 
Hooper versus basketball player energy. Like, you know if you know. Let me explain to you. Guys, listen, Carmelo Anthony won the only national championship in the history of my alma mater. Carmelo Anthony is one of my favorite players of all time. Carmelo Anthony is not a better scorer than Kevin Durant. But to quote my friend from Reading Rainbow, you don't have to take my word for it. Here's Draymond Green on that exact topic a year ago. Oh, great. Kevin Durant's the best scorer, by the way. And I had jaw for. Oh no, Kevin, the best scorer ever. Not even close. In this in this era. Huh? Not no disrespect to James, but Kevin Durant is the best scorer ever. All right, let's move on. That's a fair cut. That's a fair. I don't. Agree. The best I mean. scorer ever. <laughs> now, to be fair to Draymond. Maybe Melo, this year, in his 16 minutes a game for the Lakers, uh, you know, it changed, the, changed his opinion on it. Or maybe Wilds, new media is falling into so many of the pitfalls old media deals with, which is, I have all these take plates up in the air that I can't juggle them all, and now they're crashing down around me. I'm not here to say... Draymond Green, the face of new media, can't keep his takes together because he doesn't actually necessarily believe what he's saying. He's just trying to create content. What I am saying is, actually, that's exactly what I'm saying. What I'm saying is Draymond is has become what he most despises, the inauthentic, uh, inconsistent taker, just giving takes for the sake of takes because I heard him call Kevin Durant the greatest scorer ever. And now he says he's not as good as Carmelo, as Carmelo. And I love Melo, but give me a break. It's just its just a bad take that Draymond doesn't even believe in Wilds. Just, just, to, just to Draymond's defense, there is Why? a qualifier, pure score. Now, I don't really even know what pure score means, but if I was Draymond, I would have another exclusive podcast Directed at you saying, no, I meant pure score. I'm not quite sure what pure score is. Difference between pure score and just score. Pure score, Carmelo. Best scorer of all time, KD. Boom, podcast. Right there. Countdown. Five well, listen, best pure scores. I, I was probably a little harsh there, Wilds, on my fellow clutch client, Draymond. So let me give him credit. Also yeah. on this podcast, he did release his all-time starting five which had the incredibly unique construction of four guys he's played against plus Michael Jordan. So that was good, too. I never heard anything like it. It's like, no, 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 it's the guys I played against plus Jordan. <laughs> uh, can we talk about LeBron? Because it's been a minute. Giannis Antetokounmpo had some nice things to say about the Kang. Greek freak telling a Spanish newspaper, it's interesting to me how LeBron is still one of the best in one of the best shapes of his life and being the best player in the world. I want to know how he does that. He obviously gets credit, but I think we've got to give him more credit. Doing it for 18 years, guys, that's hard. And hopefully I can be there. Hopefully I can do this for 18, 20 years. That's the goal. Nick, Giannis spinning this forward. What did you make of what he had to say? Well, listen, you know, I've said for the last couple of years, Giannis is the best player in the world. But far be it for me to disagree with Giannis. You know what? He's right. The only thing Giannis got wrong is he said LeBron's been doing it for 18 years. That's incorrect. This was year 19 for LeBron. So he shortchanged LeBron a year. But everything else, I think he's right. Wilds, if even Nick Wright is underrating LeBron James, then yeah, maybe we do need to give him more credit.
You know, it's been a long time since I said LeBron was the best player in the world. How? I said it was Giannis. What, what do you mean? What do you how mean how? We got, we how all... do we need to give LeBron more credit? We talk about him every other day. You listen to him as the best player well, of all time. Uh, you know, he makes yeah. a, a team that See, didn't make listen, the play-in hey. relevant in the national media. What do we need to Buddy. do? To, to give LeBron more credit. What, what can I do personally to give him more you're credit? You're misconstruing amount of discussion with credit. CNN talks about Donald Trump a lot. I don't think they're giving him a ton of credit. I just think he's a topic. We talk about LeBron James a lot. Things we have talked about are, is LeBron James scoring 30 points a game actually bad for the Lakers? Should LeBron James be fired as Lakers general manager for walking into Rob Belinka's office with a gun and a mask and making him sign Russell Westbrook? Should the Lakers turn the page from LeBron James and trade him somewhere else, a la Bill Plaschke's column that we discussed? So you're right, we do talk about him a lot. Do we talk about him in the right way? Again, uh, this is not Nick Wright's opinion. Giannis Antetokounmpo, who I would think knows a little bit about what it takes to be the best player in basketball, he says LeBron's the best player in basketball. Take it up with Giannis. Practice your Greek and go okay. argue with him. Nail your Lobos. Not me. I, back you know, to LeBron. I think it's Giannis. Pack it back up. He didn't send, send it, it back to him. Here's your credit. He didn't send it to him. Back that to our Maverick. top story. The... The uh, Patriots' play-calling duties continue to be a mystery, maybe even more so after last night. First things first, back after this. Time for some stories to start your morning, sponsored by Ram Trucks, built to serve. And the New England Patriots christened their preseason last night, hosting Big Blue, the Giants. Thought maybe we'd get to see Mac Jones. Eh, thought maybe we'd get a sneak peek into New England's plan for who will call offensive plays this season. Eh. Matt Patricia and Joe Judge sharing the play calling duties. Might be a little bit more work to be done to the surprise of nobody. Bill Belichick, not really in the mood to talk about it afterwards. Take a listen. What were some of the benefits of having Joe and Matt call plays tonight? I thought it would be a good, a good opportunity for us to do that. Do you know if one will call plays when the regular season arrives? Yeah, well, don't worry about that. We'll, we'll work it out. So have you decided? We, we're going through a process. Just like everything else on this team. It's just really something. Nick, I'll keep this simple. Is this a big deal? Of course it is. Wilds, Belichick said something interesting there at the end. We're going through a process just like everything else on this team. Except for the fact this is nothing like anything else on the team because this is unprecedented for the New England Patriots. We have you you've been a Patriots fan your entire life. I know it because you always try to gloss you always try to make the Patriots out like they were some horrible franchise even though you're like hey they got crushed by the Bears. Yeah, in the Super Bowl, then they were in the Super Bowl again a decade later. Oh, but it's either here or there. We've argued okay. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, listen, you've been a Patriots fan forever. Have you ever seen this? The answer is no. We've never seen the rotating cast of offensive play callers who are actually defensive and special teams coaches. Would you at least, I understand you trust Bill Belichick, will you at least concede that this is not the setup he was hoping for? That this is Bill Belichick, you know, the, the old, hey, give you lemons, 
make lemonade, he's been given a spoiled avocado and a carton of milk. And they're like, make lemonade. He's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess I can try. I am the greatest chef of all time, but those ingredients don't really match. Like, what? what is the bright side to the Matt Patricia, Joe Judge offensive coordinator competition that's going on? Okay. I will, after the show, ask you to Venmo me a mm-hmm. hundred bucks because I will give you okay, the point right that you're trying to use against me. If you get on your phone and oh. Venmo me a hundred bucks because if you said, yeah, hey, Wilds, no don't you think it's weird that Belichick was courting Bill O'Brien? Who, showed, who was previously the offensive coordinator, but showed a loyalty to Nick Saban. And Belichick didn't push on Nick Saban or Bill O'Brien because of his loyalty to Nick Saban. That he was supposed to be the offensive coordinator, but he wouldn't leave Alabama. And now you're stuck with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. That's, that's what you should have said. And I would respond to that. Fair point. But you know what? Next man up, like it always is. It's always next man up. So I feel confident in this Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, sharing of the reins, if you will, until I'm given a reason to not believe in it. Is it unconventional? Of course. Has Bill Belichick done unconventional things his entire life? Of course course. And that's one of the reasons why he's successful. My faith in Bill Belichick is not rooted in a bunch of AFC championships. It's rooted in six, eight, if you want to count the Giants, Super Bowls. So I feel confident in this. And until I see the offense totally floundering, it's like, wow, this doesn't seem to be working at all. I'm going to believe in his process and I'm going to trust that this is going to work. And I think you should too. Yeah. Okay, I believe in Greg Popovich and his five championships as well. But yet, once the talent drains enough and the coaching staff drains enough because you're successful long enough that every other team hires from your front office and your coaching staff has happened to the Spurs, you know what ends up happening? Oh, wait, you're not even in the play-in. Oh, oh, wait, you're the Patriots and Vegas has you as the 11th best team in the AFC like that the the brain drain is real the talent drain is real but wilds I have a solution for you and this is what you should be advocating for don't try to feed me these stale Bill O'Brien takes that people have been saying on Nesson and WEI for weeks I'm not here to rehash other people's opinions oh that's new oh it's a big shocker that he wanted Bill O'Brien trying to get the whole crew back together Uh, you can get those from anybody just go to Tusher and Rich if you want that take that's not what they're here for Here's a take you're not going to hear anywhere else, and this is the one you should be advocating for. Uh, Why didn't Belichick do it? I know he hasn't before. Don't you think Bill Belichick could call plays? Because I do. Don't you think that if you can only have Bill Belichick's brain on game day do so much, having having him do something he's uncomfortable with, and then allowing Patricia and Judge do things they're incredibly comfortable with, handle the defense and special teams, that's the best allocation of brain power. Shouldn't ultimately Belichick, Dick Cheney, this thing and be like, you know what? I looked around and the best person is me. I've picked me for the job. Like, isn't that the way this thing should go? Look, 
it's part of the process right now. And if that's where the process okay. leads, then I could see it happening. <laughs> but I'm not going to doubt the process. I'm not going to second guess the process. And me, I like the attacks on the process because it brings out an extra churlish Bill Belichick. Take a oh, listen to this side at the tail end of I his like press this. conference. Oh, it's wonderful. I like You're it. going through a process. What do you need to see to I make a final decision? I just, we're going through a process. Simple as that. Okay. It's just a little bit of a, an unusual situation for us that have watched you guys right, before. Yeah, and so, what do you want me to do? I guess we're just looking for a little clarity as to Great. why we're well, seeing what we're seeing. Yeah. Going through a process. Okay. All right. Thank you. That gr that great <laughs> is awesome. I, I do got to say, Wilds, that great. I, we're looking for this great. I'm happy for you. Good, good luck with it. That is, go ahead, Wilds. That great is really rich. I That's do what enjoy I like. that. Go ahead. Wilds. You know what? I'm looking for a little clarity too. Great. Not going to give it to you. So I'm like, you know what? I'll live with it. I'll, I'll see but, you in Miami yeah, week one, Jenna. I'm feeling okay. The, don't, I just, I, I wonder, Jenna, if the reason he doesn't have an answer is not only because he doesn't want to give the media anything, but I wonder, Jenna, if it's because for the first time in his career, he doesn't have an answer. That even if he, he were the most an Maybe he's stressed out. effervescent yes. coach. Yeah. So I wonder if that's it, Jenna. I'm not uh, sure. And it's gonna, it's going to be a stressful season for him, Wilds. But I, my sympathies are with you because you are my friend, and he is my Thank friend you. from afar. Uh, I have um, a little announcement to make before we sign off this morning. Um, today is my last show, my last day here at uh, FS1. I'm heading off to do some other things, but these awesome guys will carry on and do their thing um, so well, like they've been doing for the last couple of years. But I have had an absolute blast here, minus not always knowing what day it was. I was always close, and I always knew my Seinfeld references, which helped me not at all for sake of this sports show that we did, even though I did love Danny Age, also did not help me in any way, shape, or form. Still doesn't follow me on social, neither here nor there. What's important is I will be watching you guys and I will be rooting for you guys and for you at home. Thank you so much for waking up with us every day. It meant the world to me. I will miss you. I will miss this. To you, Kevin Wilds, I say um, stay wild, weird, and wonderful. It suits you beautifully. And to Nick, you and I started this journey five years ago. It is with grace and love and kindness, kindness um, that I say to you, it's Jordan. It's always been oh. Jordan. And I'm sorry <laughs> I had to wait to the very good. end to tell you so good. it was Michael Jordan. Oh, so good. There you go. So good. Really well. All right. <laughs> That was excellent. That was just excellent. I think it's a, it's, first of all, it's beautifully said, Jenna. Oh. Um, just quickly, people ask me, um, like, what's everybody like behind the scenes? What are people really like? And the answer is, like, everybody on the show is exactly what you think they're like. Like, Jenna is uh, uh, kind and funny and, and gets everything in the show. And one of my favorite parts of the show happened this week where you said something about Mike DiBianco. And usually... The best compliment you can get is like, that person really makes me laugh. And you really made me, it was so funny. I just sat there quietly just admiring how funny it was and how authentically you it was that you're bringing up your high school boyfriend. So Thank you. good luck. And it was just, it's been a joy. <laughs> Thank you.
I Jenna, listen, as you know, this show's gone through many iterations. The only, you know, the only consistent partner I've had throughout the whole time has been you. You have been a joy to work with, nothing but professional. I'm so excited to see what's coming next. And thank you for dealing with me, which is not easy to do, over the last five years. We really appreciate it. We will be right back.